Max Erlin-Nadler, and you're listening to the Full Stop Podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for making this possible and receiving the perk of getting this episode a bit earlier than our other listeners. Full Stop relies on your support to flourish and grow. We're working on a ton of new and interesting projects as always, so your support is going a long, long way. And as always, directly to the writers and artists who make Full Stop possible. We thank you so much. Our website continues to be updated multiple times a week with reviews, essays, and interviews, so please check it out. Last month, we published a brand new issue of our Digital Quarterly. In this issue, we look at and beyond all sorts of crisis-bred monsters. These pieces assemble novel histories of transitional periods, both past and present, when unique circumstances converged to create monstrous conditions. To get the latest issue, download a copy at our Gumroad shop or subscribe by supporting our Patreon. This month on the podcast, we're featuring an interview between audio producer Nicole Kelly and Kamala Pulagandla, the former editor-in-chief of Autostraddle.com, whose new book Zigzags was released last year by Not a Cult. In a review on Full Stop, Sarah Sophia Yanni calls the book a poignant reflection on alienation in adulthood and the continuous evolution of the brown queer body. I'll let Nicole and Kamala take it from here. I'm Nicole Kelly. I'm a former writer of fiction and a current producer of audio documentaries about myself and others, which is a really pretentious way of saying that I make podcasts. And I'm joined by my friend, current fiction writer, current editor of autoshell.com, known bon vivant, dyke about town, noted home chef, no stranger to lust or heartbreak, Kamala Pulagandla. Wow, that's a great Did you like that? Yeah, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's it's definitely easy to write an intro for you. <laughs> um, so we're here in this Zoom room, obviously, because I'm in Tennessee. You're in California. Yeah. And we are celebrating. We're continuing to celebrate. It's been like the season of zigzags, I feel like. I know. Well, it's really interesting to me to think that it just came out in like mid-October because it hasn't been two months even. Yeah. But it feels like so long ago, like so many things have happened. I I mean, so many things have happened like in the the world beyond the book. And then also, I also feel personally like I've been on this like zigzags journey with you, if I can call it a journey for like kind of a a while. Well, it's been a long journey. Like I'll say that. So yes. I like to joke that I, I'm your agent because I forward you publishing opportunities on Instagram, which makes me feel entitled to take credit for your accomplishments. Yeah, it's true. Nicole has guided my, my literary career <laughs> by sending me links and opportunities, <laughs> encouraging me to go for new things. Yeah. But as like, yeah, but as a, as like a, as a former fiction writer, I think I just really identify with like kind of the trajectory you've been on. I think I met you and we both have finished our MFA programs. We met at the writing conference. So like, I feel, I feel even though I kind of like gave up on like my personal journey to finish a book, like I feel like I really identify with like the getting the MFA, like writing short stories, having one of those stories grow into a novel project, like the years of work on the novel then the trying to get it published and then the way to have it published. And so I feel like when it finally came out, like I felt also like a sense of relief that I can't imagine. I'm I'm glad that you right like I'm glad that we can share that because it does feel like a relief and it's I think it's impossible 
to share with other people what it feels like to work for your life. It's like a lifetime's worth of working towards this one goal. And then like, maybe there'll be another one, but like, that's not even guaranteed. It's just like, you have to work for this one thing for like 15 years. And then (laughs) here it is like all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's such a beautiful book too. Like I really love the cover art, which I also know is like, that was a whole process. I think it really came out beautifully. Thank you. I do too. I think that, I think that, so the artist Cassio Rico is from LA and I do think that there is something about that. Like it feels warm. Like I really like it. It fits me. Yeah, it's very you. So I've had the pleasure of reading the book, obviously. Um, It's very, it made me feel very, I was like, it made me feel really nostalgic. And I was kind of thinking there's a couple of things going on with me. Like I'm at home, I'm in my, I'm in my not my childhood home, but like I'm living with my parents for various reasons right now. Um, but also because we, you and I happen to be the same age, I think like the book being set. So the time in which the book is set, like I also was that same age at that time. Yeah, this, so, the book is set in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really just, you know, kind of a year that I don't know that otherwise I would remember so clearly. <laughs> But I also remember it clearly. I think it's because for me, it's a kind of the same, like the character, the character Anisha is like, has, is living in Chicago. And I think I had moved to LA in 2009. And so this mm-hmm. like idea of being like around 24, 25 in the city's not new to her, but like a city that was new to me, kind of just like riding your bike around, going to like lots of bars, like drinking a lot, going to tons of house parties. Like that's all very much like what I was doing at that time. And so it was really interesting to like think about both like what it was saying about like a, per- a period in one's life like maybe people who did grow up in 20- who weren't 24 in 2010 like might also identify with that but also like I think being 24 like at that time like what was happening culturally like feels present in the novel like were you thinking about that as you wrote yeah the book zigzags is a novel that takes place in Chicago over the course of a summer and it's really heavily based on probably like three different summers that I spent in Chicago and I sort of put them all together and it revolves around this group of friends who are mostly friends because of this one bar where they work and hang out at and just like sort of my character Anisha is going trying to like navigate her relationship with this group of people now that she's like left and also kind of like locate herself like in her own life I think in a lot of ways and is using some of these people in the friend group to figure out like is this the kind of person she wants to be like is this the kind of relationship she wants to have for a long time like are these people her people why are they her people and I think that to your point when I first started writing the book it was like an ode to these friends who I like really missed and through the course of writing it I was like our relationships changed drastically and it's I was like oh it's very clear to me that what happened at the end of that summer not to like totally spoil my book but was that I was like I need I, I needed to do something different with my life and these people were like excellent friends for that time being and I needed and wanted more than that. So, and I think that like, that isn't what I had intended to write, but it became clear and true. And like, the farther I got away from it, the more clear to me, it became like what that story was. Um, And so I do think in some ways, knowing that about myself, that the stories that I write are always going to reveal to me something about me. I sort of like the idea of just putting me in there because then I get to directly very quickly learn about myself. (laughs) So I do think maybe... In some ways it's not, I'm like, what is the loyalty to? And sometimes in the way that um, like it, I, I don't come into it with like hoping to like 
end at a certain meaning or lesson, except that I, I'm definitely putting different things into that basket that you're talking about to like learn about myself. And I think that that could be accomplished through nonfiction too. That just happens to like not be my method for doing it. So you, so you wrote the, you wrote this, you wrote, you started writing this book sort of like after that chapter of your life had ended. Well, what happened was like, I started writing it from the prologue opens. Like I'm like in grad school and I'm like going back and forth and like missing Chicago. And like, that's definitely the place where I started writing from where I was like, I just left. I felt very like, I don't know. I'd also like left a life behind in Portland before I went to Chicago and I kind of felt like Chicago was something I chose explicitly for myself and it was reckless. We're speaking of characters we enjoy, like it was reckless and it was also like pretty selfish. And I felt really kind of bad about it at the time of doing it and then realized that it was like the best choice I could have made for myself. It was what I needed to do. And so I think I, mi I missed that. Like I missed it being just like mine and my choice when I was gone. Um, but then of course other things happen and you're like, oh, there's, I also had made the choice to go to grad school, which is also a choice that I needed and wanted to. So, but at the time I was like caught between like these two places and two choices I had made and, um, just feeling like I didn't, I was very unrooted. And so I think I was like missing the like structure and like tightness of like community that happens when you're like, it's a place where some people plan to stay forever and they aren't planning to leave like every year and go do something else. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was something that I was like very much missing and wanted to like recreate by writing it for myself. And then in writing it, I was like, there's kind of a lot of problems with, the, <laughs> with these things. <laughs> it's almost like you, it sounds to me almost as if you, you journal through fiction, like what I yeah, do. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I, that's a really yeah. good way to put it. Yeah, I journal my way through fiction. Because I feel like I've observed you a lot, like kind of doing it feels as, as if you're writing in parallel to your life. And so I've heard, I've heard you say, I guess you're talking about femphone, but talking, saying like, I don't necessarily know how the story will end because I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> you know? Yes. You know, yes. but what are the, what are the moments when you choose to make, to like depart from reality and are those things entirely about narrative or are they more, are they about like your emotional process or? Um, Yes, I know what you mean. I think that some of them are related to narrative. So like I do depart, I, my life is like actually not that exciting. And so I, I do have to, I mean, it's like, re like reasonably exciting. Um, but I do think the timeline of a story is such that like you need to have things condensed and like the order in which they happen will create a particular kind of meaning. So I do like lay that out ahead of time. I'll like, I think that I have a bad habit. One of my like professors early on in grad school was like, you start all your stories in the middle and then you like go back to describe how we got to the middle. And then from there we go towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, you could leave it that way or you could rearrange it. Just like know that you're always starting in the middle. It's <laughs> like, okay, that's a really good way to think of yeah. it. So for, because that happens, it's usually pretty easy for me to figure out where it's going as soon as I get into it. And then I'm like, oh, here's what I need to build up beforehand to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that when I'm thinking about what I can like fictionalize and what makes sense to fictionalize, I often fictionalize characters. I just think it's, it's too hard. You, you can never represent all of somebody. And I do think that like the fun of, what I think is really fun about writing about groups of people is you just get to create these particular dynamics and the dynamic brings out like certain sides of certain characters. 
And so like, I don't pretend that those are like real representations of everybody ever, um, mm-hmm. but they are like really particular types of like, I feel like everyone moves through the world in a particular way and I, I like turn it up and dial it up so that it works for the story. So like, that's definitely fictionalized. Like no one is like that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also do like adding, I like adding things to the world that just make it like slightly more. I think there is a way that I'm just like dialing up my life in a lot of ways. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And like part of that is the journaling aspect of it to be like, what would happen if I think on a lot of the ways that you were talking about this, like what would happen if I did this? Or like, what if this quality were the main quality leading my life? Like yeah. that's a question that I pose a lot. And I'm like, there are so many things that you could put front and center to like drive you through any particular time period. And so I feel like the fictionalizing is just like picking the thing that's gonna be the driving force and then like tying everything else to it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, like that, yeah, it really resonates with me. And I think I use the word amplify. It's kind of the same, yeah, the same, the same thing. Does your fiction ever inform I guess like you just sort of described like how sort of like life has kind of manifest in fiction does the fiction well you kind of already said like the fiction then did inform how you felt about that time in your life and those friends and kind of like helped you sort of come to that realization yeah I think the fiction teaches me about myself because I'm like then examining myself not as myself but as like this outside character which I think is actually like a really helpful uh tool to reflect when you're like oh, like, what was this character feeling at that moment? And it's not like as devastating as being like, oh my God, I was so disappointed or I had really set myself up for this really bad situation that I just wasn't able to imagine. And so I could be like, the character was like misinformed and like didn't know what she wanted. Um, (laughs) Which somehow feels easier for me to manage. And that does happen. And I think also like being able to, it's only, I think sometimes only in recreating scenes that I have been in, do I understand how I actually felt at the time. Um, And I'm like, that feels weird to me that that's true. But I think that's, I think that's very true. And like when I recreate an entire scene in my head, it's also really clear to me like what, how I felt about it and like, I think when I'm talking about it in real life, if I'm like, there was this party and this is what happened, I'm trying to be very equitable and like imagining how the scene felt for everyone or like what other experiences existed beyond my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I am writing a narrative about a character who is me, I'm like totally attached to only what that person felt and thought in a way that yeah. doesn't necessarily happen in my real life. Yeah. In my twenties, I moved all the time. And the idea of like setting up a new life and then like living there and like being in the moment and then just being like, oh, and then the time passed and I went somewhere else um, was like a whole way that I lived. And so I think about that a lot, like the sort of structures of my daily routines, which I think I write about in some of the flashbacks where like, I like work on my computer and then I like go to the bar and hang out with people and meet random people on the weekends. And like, I was always doing things like, I would be at that bar where I hung out all the time and like someone new would come in and I would like, we'd become friends and go sing karaoke. And then I would like help him paint his house the next day. And (laughs) there's just like weird things like that, that I did all the time that I think are part of like being in your mid twenties or like Mm -hmm. maybe having like this, like really open, um, like flexible kind of way you're living and you can just introduce new things in all the time and they come and they go and you're like, okay, that's cool. Like whatever. Um, And I felt totally fine about that. And I think part of this is about like a little 
a little shift where suddenly I was like, oh, like I don't, one, like I don't know if I want things to always be so um, like ephemeral like that. And two, so I've had the pleasure of reading the book, obviously, to stick around for a while. Like, is this the thing? Yeah, I love. I think that's so true. Like, I really, I think when you were speaking, I was thinking just yeah, like kind of like the poor, the porousness of yourself and your social world at that time in your life, which I think is really written about really well here. And then one of my favorite parts of the book also, I think, is like the tension between, like, I think, and to me, to me, like Georgie really embodies the tension of like that kind of like more ephemeral porous way of living and like the kind of like stretching towards the more permanent like kind of wanting to root down into something like both into yourself and into like other people into other relationships and kind of like she seems like she's to me like I I really was drawn to sort of her kind of like struggle to to I don't know like want to figure something out but also that frustration of like still not really knowing exactly what that is yeah well I think that I've really I mean Georgie is also based on like a good friend of mine for a very long time who I think has always like known what she wants and I think that it's been frustrating for her it was I mean she was a writer too and I think like I'll always consider her a writer but she also was like I want to be a poet and then it was like I don't know in the ways that you were like it is too long to wait for like someone to just decide to give you a book she was like yeah I just don't like it gets frustrating and I think it was hard for her also in our even in our 20s to like commit to something that's just like so like you can't bank on it at all and that was like not her way of being and so I I do think that was like an interesting thing to write about and I think that 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 has been I don't know that like has been a tension in our friendship but also a really nice part of it too in what way there was a period of time in our life where we could share like everything. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of about the moment where it's like, oh, we're there's gonna be some departures here. Like there's gonna be some things we can't share together. Yeah, I mean, those are the exact moments I'm talking about that I really, that I remember almost most vividly are those moments of departure. Like when they both see it and like Anisha kind of expresses that she feels a little bit, threatened might not be the right word, but I think just is like, has like that awareness of kind of like, wait, I thought we were kind of in this together. Like what, you know, whose life, are, I thought we were talking about our life and now suddenly yeah. we're talking about your life. Yeah. The other thing, the other, I think like, it's a really small moment. And so it's funny that I, I also se- seem to have like latched onto it, but um, it's the guy who lives on the farm. Jesse is like the friend who comes into the city. They see him occasionally, but he had, he has kind of like this other life on this farm outside the city. And the care and the niche of the protagonist eventually goes to visit him and sort of sees like what that life actually consists of. And then I think sees Jesse kind of differently. Mm-hmm. And the, the part that I think stood out to me was that she observes that like perhaps Jesse, when, when he comes to the city is like kind of like willfully like fitting into the role that he used to fulfill in that friend group, but like perhaps like doesn't really exist as that person otherwise. I just thought it was a really good observation of like when you kind of realize this kind of like one of those clarifying moments that like you have I think another just moment of departure I guess yeah well I think that I think that there was a like that year I remember this year specifically because I think it was it was a turning point for me where I was like oh there are a lot of things I noticed that about people that I didn't know was were, were like I don't even know how to describe it like I didn't know that things were possible for people and then suddenly I saw them doing them and I sometimes describe this as like what like for example when I was in high school and college I didn't know that everyone was just like hanging out with professors all the time or like hanging out with teachers and like building personal relationships and like no one told me that's actually like the point of college I was like oh it's fun to like hang out with my peers um 
I mean, same, I know. <laughs> and so then like after college, we were like all applying for different kinds of grad schools and people were just like getting different jobs. Everyone was like using these like relationships and connections that they had made. And I was like, I didn't know that I was supposed to be doing that. Like what the hell? Like yeah. you were just doing this the whole time and I had no idea. So I feel like things like that were suddenly just like emerging. And so someone like Jesse, who I'm like, Jesse was just like a drunk rugby player. Like it turns <laughs> out that he can like be a farmer. I'm like, what? Like what else are people doing that I didn't know? Yeah. And I think that's true of that age too. Like people yeah. are, one, people are trying new things. So like they don't necessarily stick with them forever. Like they're just taking them for a ride. Mm -hmm. um, but also like people are becoming adults and like suddenly do have power and expertise and experience and like, can do like really cool accomplishments mm -hmm. yeah there's some I mean there's two things I thought of as like uh, just and Anisha describes people she uses the adjective effortless like quite a few times and I which I also think is like which is related to what you're saying I think makes also perfect sense for like where she is in her life and it's like about like I think a lot of times I'm like you just aren't seeing the effort <laughs> right, of course like the effort is invisible yeah, like I remember I also thought like, wow, it's just so easy. And I'm like, no, other, everyone's like trying really hard. Yeah. Actually. And then the book is also saying something about, which which relates to what you just said, like about commitment, I think. People discovering they can do things because they simply commit to a thing and they realize that like they can keep going with it. You know? I, that's a really great, no one's mentioned that to me, but it really is a book about commitment. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like my non-commitment for a long time. Or like, I guess my commitment to particular things and not to others. You think it's about looking for something to commit to? Yeah, I think I spent a lot of my, I still spend a lot of my life looking for those particular mm -hmm. specific things that I want to commit to. And I feel really wary about everything else. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I think a lot about commitment in my friendships and in my relationships. And I still feel like now 10 years after, you know, 10 years later, and just, I feel like I'm still asking some of those same questions about like my community and like what, you know, who I want to invest in, how to invest in people. And there is still the sort of this question of like, like to go back to the Georgie and Anisha dynamic, like sort of like those moments of departure don't necessarily mean like the end of a relationship. I don't necessarily put the same emphasis on, like we're all, we don't all have to be on this exact same path together, I think. Well, I think that you, I like the way you bring up kind of like what questions are you asking even now about what you want your community to look like and what you want your friend group to be like. And I think I do struggle sometimes with like what kinds of things I should be bringing along with me from the past and what I need to cultivate in order to like keep growing and not just stay the same. Um, and I think part of that, I think now I've recognized that you can also choose people who are gonna do that too. And then like inevitably you're all committing to like sort of continuing to change, which I really like. Yeah. Um, but that took me a very long time to figure out. And I thought that, you know, it was forever gonna be a thing where like I would need, and I think that that's, I don't think it's inappropriate that I find people who I'm like, oh, this will like, this person is cool and interesting in some way. And I want to get to know them so that I can like grow in some way. And then, you know, yeah, there is a departure. And I think that there are different ways that the departure could work. But I, for me, I am like, I, I want to keep like everyone around, like in some kind of realm, which I think I also <laughs> mentioned in this book, but like, practically speaking, you can't keep everyone from every departure because you just don't have enough like resources. 
And I, I think choosing like who you do want to keep like close, like in very close proximity. I, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I still ask the same questions I was asking in this book. I guess I'm thinking now about the number of the number of characters in the book and what that has to do with, yeah, sort of like how you even now like are living your life and kind of like as a self-described uh, extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something that you set out to do? Like, did you set out to write about a group of people or did you start off with like one or two of the, re- the central relationships and then? Well, I think I really started out wanting to write about like my, I don't know. I, I knew that it was cliche to write about like people who hang out at a bar, but I was like, I just think that there's gonna be something cool that comes out of it. Um, and I think there's something interesting that happens when people see each other regularly all the time. And I don't, I don't know like why, but that just happens. So, so I was like, I'm gonna write about that and see what comes out of it. And I think that, I guess I didn't know that I was gonna write about these, like the three main relationships are with Whitney, Georgie, and I would say like Richard. Yeah. And I didn't know that those were gonna be the main relationships. I sort of wrote about everyone and everything in the beginning. And then it emerged, like people told me what they found most interesting. I realized the relationships that I had the most both like interest in and also conflict with and those are the ones that I picked out as the main relationships because there's also a bunch that like have no conflict really because there are people who I just like saw and not that we weren't deeply connected but like there wasn't really any conflict in our relationship because it wasn't that deep Mm -hmm. right there's like those peripheral friends and I think that that was also a way that I had a lot of relationships in that time where it was like based on us being around each other it was circumstantial it was based on activity that we liked together or you know something that wasn't necessarily uh, like now I would say like my relationships are more built on like ideas that we find interesting together that we want to explore that we share or challenges we're both like working on together like things that are a little more close to my heart I think and so I guess I'm I guess I'm more emotionally connected to people now than I used to be <laughs> yeah I, I'm really I was I'm really curious about Richard as a character and like what that relationship is doing for Anisha the character I mean it's like it's very different you just yeah the three central characters you describe it's he's really he really stands out in this friend group <laughs> and I'm like pu- I'm puzzled by it I'm curious about it I think that there's people like that in my life all the time and that this particular well I was gonna say like this particular iteration like I don't know that now again I would have like a straight white man person be this person in my life but there's always somebody in my life who's like saying the inappropriate thing like doing <laughs> the thing that like everyone like is thinking but like doesn't want to you know actually do or you know like just like it's kind of brash and feels really free to like sort of you know I guess in his in his particular character like he says a lot of things to Anisha that like no one else is going to say that like Anisha doesn't even want to say it to herself and then she also does the same for him and I weirdly think that that's like how a lot of my relationships with men have been and there's a way in which um I think I have relationships with men now it's like mostly gay men where we can be really open with each other and we're like it's it's coming from like a a sameness but also a difference that we're like really aware of and for some reason it feels okay to like kind of I don't know kind of share things we've noticed about each other that the other person might not like that much 
that's okay so you feel a safety in doing that with men specifically is what you're saying yeah and I think that like I don't know what yeah I don't know what that's about but like even when I was in college like a lot of well when I was in college I was told I was too mean like (laughs) from a lot of people so I've toned it down (laughs) but (laughs) but I do remember I had a bunch of friends who were gay men who we we would tell each other like really honest things about each other and that is how I learned the most about myself and so I think in some ways like even though Richard is not like a gay character explicitly I think he plays that role where like I learned a lot about myself and Anisha learns like a ton about herself even if just comparing herself to Richard and being like I would never want to be like that right yeah I mean, yeah, I definitely thought when I was like thinking just about the relationships in the book and kind of like the work that they're doing both in the story, but also like for the character, I was reminded of something that you said, you kind of were saying, reflecting to me about my relationship to crushing on people. <laughs> like I have all these, like, I have like, my other friend calls it like my artistic lust. Like I tend to crush on like other artists and writers. And you were saying like, you're always like kind of defining yourself like either alongside someone or like against them. Like it's fun, but you need like something to bounce yourself <laughs> off of. Yeah. I'm a Libra, so I do need that. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Libra rising. So similarly, I think I'm like out there trying to figure out where I stand among, among the group of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, that is the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, that, that always, I think that was like really particularly fruitful in my twenties because I had no idea. And I still sometimes feel like I don't like what the limits are on who I can be and who I'm allowed to be. And I don't know why that's so hard for me to imagine. So it's, I've always been like, well, we'll just try it. Like maybe this person will have some, some insight into who I can be and who I should not be. But yeah. I think that like, that's also a period of time, right? Like I also think that clearly like that relationship had some limits to it and not that it wouldn't still be fruitful if it kept going, but like, I think it had diminishing returns in terms of like learning about each other. Right. Oh, but there's like this moment where they kind of, <clears throat> I don't know if this is a spoiler. <laughs> for doing spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> there is this moment, a, a memorable conversation that they have where they do get like really real. Mm-hmm. And it feels even almost like Anisha kind of wonders like, did, did I go too far? Did we go collectively go too far with each other? But I feel like, yeah, that's kind of like you, they like dug kind of like, they, oh, it is like almost like they reached the bottom of the well. Like they dug down to it and they got to like what was at the heart of like, I think that dynamic you're describing, like kind of like what was useful to each other about their relationship. I wish right, I, I mean, it's like the end, right? Like I yeah. I think that, okay. So I think about this a lot cause I'm like in different, in different relationships, there are, I would feel more or less comfortable doing that. Like sometimes you can see that bottom and you decide not to go there. And I don't know why yeah. there are certain relationships where I've, and particularly that one, like that didn't happen in real life. That's just like me taking our friendship, this person that I knew who was close to, like taking our friendship to like its extreme. Um, And I think it's interesting because I think there are relationships where I would feel comfortable like just unearthing the bottom and being like, here we are. What what are we going to do now? And there are other ones where I'm like, I don't want to do that. And like, even though we both know it's there, we're just going to like not go there. Yeah, I, I relate to that as well. And then like the third thing, of course, or also of reaching, of wanting to reach the bottom, reaching the bottom and realizing that the bottom is like not even where you thought, like they're almost like the never ending. Yeah, there's more. There's always something more. Yeah. Of course, like that's the ideal scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And I really also, like, I think that like fear, fearing the bottom is something I relate, like I really, I really appreciate that about you. Like kind of like being willing, 
to go there when you do go there. So I think I often like will see it and kind of like want to hover, want to hover above more than like scratch it, scratch at it. I think that there's like, I don't know. I do think that is something that I feel like is a part of my personality is that I want to go there. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's like an Aries energy where I'm like, let's burn through it and see what's at the end. Um, yeah. But I do like to burn through it and see what's at the end. And sometimes there's a lot more and sometimes there's not. I mean, again, like thinking about so much about commitment and friendships and relationships, like lately, I think I'm also like, try, I think I'm trying to teach myself and learn how to like more gently excavate, like to not, to not hover, but to like go, go there, but kind of like land lightly, like kind of like, I'm like really like belaboring this metaphor. Yeah, it's like a, this is like a moon landing. It's like... <laughs> You orbit and then I you just like jump down yourself. Right. I like became an archaeologist of mine. <laughs> like I took it too far. <laughs> well, I think I used I think I used that metaphor at some point. I think I was talking about um I think Anisha's talking about her relationship with Whitney and yeah. talking about like gently brushing away at each other because they're people who are like never are gonna stare like the end of a thing in the face. And I I do, I agree with that. Like, I think it's nice to sort of be like, okay, like, let's just be really gentle about it. And let's not like, I don't know. I think that sometimes that Anisha like wants to preserve certain relations. I think that that's what this, their relationship is about, like wanting to preserve the ability to always have more, even if there isn't that much to begin with. Mm -hmm. With me and Richard and Anisha specifically? No, I think with oh. Whitney and Anisha. With Whitney, okay. It was like, yes, yeah. like it's the opposite of Richard and Anisha in so many ways, where yeah. it's like so, about the mystery. It's about not knowing. It's about like leaving it open ended. It's about um, sort of like the the chance ways that things work out rather than like the planned um, like conscious ways of people fitting together. It, it, I totally feel that there's like kind of like this delicate balance that they both are sort of like working to maintain. Yeah. But it, it might all It's precarious. Yeah, yeah. It's, precarious. it's definitely yeah. precarious. And I think yeah. that there is a knowledge of that. And then like to not know exactly why it's so precarious is also part of the fun to like not know where you can't poke too hard. And then you're sort of like figuring it out as you go move through it. Mm -hmm. That was like something that really loved. I loved doing that when I was younger. That was like my, one of my favorite things. I think it felt thrilling on some level. Um, and I liked like, I still like a challenging mm -hmm. romantic entanglement in the sense that there's something about, I think that connection particularly that feels, yeah, because it's delicate, it's more fun, right? Like it's, it feels hard to access sometimes. And there's like a special reward for when something is difficult that you can't access all the time. And I, I was like really about that. And I think also for a long time, I think I thought that that was what queer love was about. And I think that's just cause I like never felt secure. <laughs> Anisha at this time is like kind of, I think, which I also do relate to is like kind of like a, a sort of like withholding that is also about like self-protection. Mm -hmm. You know, even like with this other love interest, Zoe that comes along, who seems like great. And I'm just like, I want you to just like go for it. Like just go all in on the situation. Like just go for it, you know? But with, with like Whitney as on the other side of this, I'm kind of like, it, does, it makes sense to me that she holds back because it's, what am I, why am I being so inarticulate? But you know what I mean? Like I was kind of like, I want her to like, go, I want her to go for it, but I can, I can feel her sort of like wanting, like there's all these like reasons where she's like, well, I'm not going to because I'll get all the reasons that she might get hurt essentially. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think I thought, I don't, I don't know that it's just queer love that has this narrative. I think this was no, like, maybe this is like a time in 2010 when the hot narrative was that like love ends tragically, like there isn't someone for everyone and everyone is lonely. Like that was the narrative I had of all relationships and that I was like, okay, well, so you just choose your path through it. And there's like, gotta be at least like 50 different ways you can arrive at this like tragic end. And I would like to try a bunch of them, but I also don't wanna get like ruined in the process. But I think I was, I also think I did. I mean, I got my heart broken all the time. And I actually think that that was okay for me because now in my thirties, I'm like, okay, yeah, like that, that's okay. I can get my heart broken. Like I I will be fine. One thing I am also noticing as you're speaking is how often you refer, like, I think I'm so careful with fiction. It always drove me crazy when people would assume that the characters were me when they were usually not based on me or my life or they're, you know, not in any like significant way. Mm-hmm. And if I ever, if I ever like, it would always feel like a slip up if I ever referred to, if I ever referred to the character in the first person, which you do all the time. <laughs> I do all the time. And I know that you don't care about that, which I find interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that on some level, like pretending, pretending was a way, like pretending that this person was not me was a way to like allow me while I was writing it to imagine different storylines and actually took place. Like that for me was the whole function of it. Um, Because a lot of things that happened like are based on real relationships, but didn't have like all these actual events in them. and now that it's done, I can absolutely see that it's still entirely me. And because I wrote it that way, you know, <laughs> just like, it is me, it's, it's totally yeah. me. And also I, it's a different version of me than I am now it, for many reasons. But I think that like, I don't know, I'm comfortable with the fact now that all of my writing is some version of me and it's a representation of me. And there's like a lot of them. Yeah. You had asked me also an interesting question about performance of self. Mm-hmm. Um, which I found curious. My response was actually just performance of self. <laughs> Question marks. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Um... Well, okay. So I was thinking about this very similar to what you were talking about when you were like, oh, they're like, when you write fiction, you're like amplifying a particular quality and a character. You like go with it, you run with it, it leads the story. I think of that as like a, like a kind of performance of self. And I was thinking about and divesting from people pleasing, like whether you, you're trying to like recreate like a very real, honest, intimate version of yourself. But in doing that, it is a performance of yourself. And like, I was just curious, like for you, like when you're trying to create something real, when you want to be honest about yourself, like what are the parts of yourself that you end up showing? Yeah. I don't know. That's just, that's just a str- that series is a strange example to look I mean, at. It also doesn't have to be that one. I yeah. think it could be anything where I'm like, but it, I, to me, there's a, there's a thing that happens where like, you can't, it's really hard to write there. I think you can never not be performing yourself in some way, unless you're like explicitly not talking about yourself. Well, I, I guess what's maybe challenging me about this question is that um, there's a part of me that feels like again, like I felt like I sort of made this from this from, from kind of like naive place where I felt like for the most part, I wasn't performing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you're right, but I'm also sort of like, the, there's like certain aspects where I'm kind of like, I was performing. I can tell you like what those parts were. And there's a lot of it where I feel like I'm, I wasn't, but I'm like, 
but I think you're right. So you're, like clearly, I, clearly I was. And so I, I just, I just, I'm thinking about, um, oh, I also lost my train of thought. Like, I guess like a critique I have of that work is that maybe that I, or the, and why I felt jealous of appearances uh, this is, is because, great. is because I wish if I had more time, like, I don't know how maybe it would have become more fictional and a little bit less personal. Like it was just like really, it was really raw at the time I was making it. It was like, it felt very immediate, much more immediate than any fiction I've ever written. Like I was talking about things that had happened like two or three months before. Yeah. Like, you were like in it still. Yeah. And so I was just sort of like trying to represent the being in it. Um, or to document that but sometimes I think when I think critically about that and like what I might do differently if I had more time or if I could like redo it I kind of I feel like I feel a way about the lack of artifice and so you know <laughs> I don't know that doesn't really answer your question no I, that's but okay that I wish works it, though sometimes I wish it was like more intentionally a performance um the first episode there's like a lot of there's a there's a lot of like parts where I'm like kind of I had did have to like go back in my mind and like access emotions that I like no longer feel and like those felt like performances. They also felt like re-traumatizing sometimes. So okay, yeah, that makes a lot know? of sense actually. That you're like I wasn't trying to perform; I was trying to document. That makes like a huge difference about what like what even like what the performance is supposed to show, which is that it's not trying to show anything. But I feel like, but I do feel like you're right. Like, I think that anytime I write, I am performing. I think that anytime I, not, not every time, but like with certain people who I converse with via email or text or things I even post on my Instagram, like those things feel like performance, like little performances, even though I'm being really honest and real, it's crafted to an extent that like some of divesting like was not crafted. Like some of it really is just me just like talking into a mic and we, just, we liked it. You know. um, you should also talk about what your series is. Oh, oh God. <laughs> um, the series, I made this uh, series called Divesting from People Pleasing for a podcast called The Heart that typically does documentaries about intimacy and like the self. Um, it's like a creative nonfiction podcast. And so like I made this three-part series about me it, uh, yeah I was trying to document like my process of um, unlearning certain things and also it was also as partly like me investigating where I had learned those things in the first place and then kind of documenting slash recreating some of the like methods that I use to do that unlearning like certain workshops I took or conversations I had um yeah and then part of it is me like reenacting like an inner monologue I'd had at a certain time in my life when I was full of self-loathing and anxiety and trying to like tap into that um, at a time when I kind of had moved past those feelings. I think making it also helped me move past those feelings. <sighs> Does that? Yeah, this is, this is <laughs> yeah. NK series called Divesting from People Pleasing on the Heart. I, I was gonna ask you, yeah, I mean, I do, in the way that I was like, this book really helped me move past like the sort of feelings of loss I had around the, like these various friendships that had just shifted a lot mm -hmm. um and I was wondering if you had felt a similar kind of like I, catharsis seems like really big but like or some kind of like resolution around it by making the work about like a difficult time for you yeah I mean to be honest no I did first 100% experience catharsis um, okay just in making the drafts like every time I would play a draft for um, Caitlin Press, who 
Caitlin actually wasn't my editor, but she's the host of the show. Um, my editor was Chiquita Pascal and Phoebe, who's my collaborator on the heart. Um, whenever I like played it for, I'd work, with, I'd work on it with Chiquita and I would play it for Phoebe and Caitlin. And whenever I played something for them, that would be the moment of catharsis. It, it really was just like so much of it was, a, because it was, I sometimes would call it my shame project. And because so much of it was about like needing to be not ashamed of certain things that I had kept so secret that I think like when someone would hear the thing, that was, that was like the release that I was like needing and looking for. And then by the time it became like released, by the time it like was on the air, so to speak, um, that catharsis had already happened. But then, you know, then my editor at the end, she called it like when it premiered or whatever, she was like, this feels like the, I think she called it like the cap, the capstone project of like a form of a former self or something. And I thought like, that's so true. I was like, this really marks like the end of a chapter where like there was a version of myself that I was for many years. And I'm like done with that version of myself. And I'm gonna like, I guess in a way, I didn't set out to do this, but I would say now like, in a way I'm gonna like honor that older self. I'm gonna honor that self by like making this work about that. And I don't ever wanna feel ashamed about the things that I had to like deal with many of which are beyond my control I also don't want to feel ashamed about the coping strategies that was that like evolved as a result of those those experiences like my kind of like racialized experiences of being a black girl um and then it also becomes like sort of outside you where I'm kind of like I hope this is like helpful to someone like that was also a big goal you know yeah I forgot what your question was <laughs> my question was did it feel good and did you feel yeah I feel like this yeah. I mean that makes a lot of sense I I think a lot of well, I think it's really like interesting for you that like you were able that you directly worked with your actual like self and feelings to like document and like recreate these moments of like extreme trauma for yourself and then like make yourself live through them, like live in them and then play them and edit them for people like for months. Like I'm just like that's like that sounds like really really intense in a way that like like I don't like the, some of the reason why I choose fiction is like I don't know that I can always do that. So yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna make up some different scenes that are like a little different than my actual bad time so that I can like feel like I'm a little separated from them. Yeah. Um, but I do also write these things. I write similarly like to explore like this past self that I had. And like, I do think when I finished this book, I was like, I'm done being that person who just like, could like continually lusts and desires people who just like are 100% not available to me. Like mm -hmm. that's just like, I'm sort of done with that now. Yeah. Um, which was something that like took me a very long time to understand that that's what I was even doing, but like became really clear over the course of like, I wrote this book for like seven years. So like over the course of that seven years, I was like, oh, here are patterns that keep emerging in my life that look just right. like this novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're holding up a mirror to yourself yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I was like okay I'm done with that person now when the book was done mm -hmm. yeah so do, what are your one you know one of the other things I was curious about was your feelings about this character as a close representation of you do you feel what kind of like what feelings do you have towards Anisha like do you feel tenderness do you feel embarrassed <laughs> I feel I'm definitely embarrassed for parts of her but I think that, that <laughs> makes sense because like this is a past version of myself and I did um, I like, I had the inclination at one point when it was, when actually when Nauticult was like, oh, we'd like to take it. And I was like, oh shit, like what are the things I'm gonna need to change so I can like put this in public and have my name on it. Yeah. And I tried to keep it like pretty close 
to the original thing that I wrote because it is like a time capsule of who I was when I wrote it and I want to honor that and -hmm. also because I think there are like you said I think it speaks to other people's experiences too who have those same embarrassing inclinations that like maybe they aren't embarrassed about them yet or maybe they never will be and that's okay like (laughs) I think that like that's okay that like I have feelings about them like that doesn't mean that they're necessarily like all wrong or like all bad um maybe they aren't embarrassed about them yet is hilarious (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean but that's real I feel like when I was that age and I was like in my mid-20s I wouldn't I didn't think it might be embarrassing like a lot of the things like the ways that I thought about women or love like I didn't think that those things would be embarrassing later yeah, they are. are. They're definitely yeah. <laughs> What's an example? Um, I guess, I mean, there's two kinds of embarrassing. There's the kinds of embarrassing where I'm like, that's just like kind of bad taste. Um, you, you know, where I'm like, oh, did I really, why was I into that? Um, and I can't think, I wouldn't say that about like, I think I wrote the characters and the book to be like, um, like the love interests are um, Zoe and Whitney. And they're like, kind of combinations of people although Whitney is definitely like based on my friend um and I'm not like embarrassed about that but I do think some of the things that we did together like that were like at the time expressions of our like love or like our friendship or our depth of caring for one another Mm -hmm. are like kind of embarrassing like the fact that it was just like us getting wasted at bars was like our deep connection that to me feels embarrassing now (laughs) like I don't know like it wasn't even it wasn't like we didn't have a strong connection but that the strong connection was not communication or like about being like open with each other feels weird now (laughs) I guess I guess I guess I'm surprised that you're I guess since I'm a little bit surprised that you feel that way because you're also someone who I think of as like kind of frequently mentoring like younger queers right you know so like yeah like in your 20s like those are the kind you're of course yeah you're not there yet the things you just described like you don't well that's what I mean is like I don't think that I would have known that I was at all embarrassing at the time and like people think it's cool so like you know I don't think that that but I am personally now like I'm embarrassed that that is a, a relationship that I had that was so informative and impactful that I wanted to write a book about it but that like we actually in real life I don't think we've ever had like a very real conversation about it wow yeah (laughs) that's interesting so like that's one aspect but then there's other aspects too where I'm like I read the book and there are things that like floor me about like certain parts of relationships where I'm like oh someone wanted to like do something nice for me and I would I left it in there that I was like shocked and so appreciative and like reading it now I'm like really you were impressed by that like that impressed you <laughs> like you deserve better but I also think that that's okay like that is the thing that's how I felt yeah. at the time yeah yeah it's really real yeah and I'm really ha- I'm it's I'm also glad that you are out of place now where you're just like you deserve better <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you think that you would ever would you ever write a book about someone in that at that age again from your current vantage point um yeah I think I would I think it's a really fun it's a really fun age. Like, I think it's a cool. <laughs> I think that, I think that, I think like, like you mentioned, I'm often mentoring young queers, but I think what I like about it 
is that that age is one where you haven't, um, maybe you haven't committed to one way of living yet. And so there's still a lot of things available and open to try out. And I think that that's true forever, but I do think that like you choose at some point whether you want to live that way forever or not. Like, do you want to commit to something in one way of living for a long period of time? Or are you interested in like being open to changing it up? And I, I think that like I found that like, and you and I have discussed this endlessly, like it's really hard to find people our own age who have chosen this, like, we wanna like try out new things all the time or like we aren't heavily committed to like sort of particular structures that would then limit the way we spend our time or limit the way we explore ideas or concepts or people or relationships. Um, And I think that like, I am drawn to people in their mid twenties for that reason is that like, just they haven't had the time yet to establish some like long stated pattern of how, of what works for them. And I like to see the new things that they're like discovering because I think that they often are like seeing things or noticing things, especially as I get older that I'm missing. And Mm -hmm. I like to be reminded that there are like brand new ways to approach the exact same shit. We're all doing the exact same shit um, that I'm doing. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like if I hadn't been doing this for 10 years, I I might look at it this way. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. I feel like a lot of my... A lot, especially with regards to my thoughts, I think on gender and queerness, I definitely look a lot to people of that. I when I used to work at the Women's Center, I feel like I had I was I had access to. <laughs> You're like all of a sudden there are huge populations of young queers. At yeah. <laughs> I knew. I feel like I, there was a period of time I knew. I was like, why am I? Why is everyone I know 27? Like, what is going on? But I learned. Yeah, I learned a lot. I mean. I'm well worth in the Women's Center. I've literally taken notes about things that they've said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. listening to the full stop podcast you can support full stop at patreon.com backslash full stop mag and always find a ton of reviews essays and interviews at www.full-stop.net we'll see you next time